Hello and welcome to the podcast. You're listening to Be Uncluttered. I'm Tara Tuttle and with me is Rebecca Mazzino and together we are going to help you on your journey to a life free of clutter. Hi and welcome to this week's episode. This week we are tackling a question that was asked a while ago on our 100th episode. I kind of debated whether or not we should admit this, given it's so long. It's taking us so long to get uh, this episode out. So uh, we did have our summer series that got in the way, so that's that can be our rationale for being slack. Uh, but, yeah, this week we are going to talk about decision-making because listener Suzanne asked us to talk about that on the 100th episode and we thought that it was um, something that required a whole episode to tackle, not just a part of one. So Suzanne asked us if we could give her some decision-making tips and tricks. She was talking about being stuck or frozen making a decision about an item that might have great consequence or might have little consequence. And she said, especially when decluttering and knowing that there are no funds or way to reacquire that item after you let it go. She asked us what length of time is reasonable or healthy for the process itself of deciding and how can we help her get unstuck? So Suzanne, hopefully we can help you out. Yes. So what we'll do, I think, is go through just a few different strategies, different things you can try to process your thoughts to maybe look at things a little bit differently and and turn turn thoughts around, maybe to stop some thoughts in their tracks, maybe to start other thoughts. So we'll go through a few of those. So the favourite one, I think, of probably Tara and I both, I think we both use this one, a lot and actually talking we were just talking off air about the episode on stoicism and this is actually this actually came up in the episode on stoicism Mm -hmm. but it was basically to ask yourself you know what is the worst case scenario what's the worst that could happen and then what and then what after that when you ask yourself that let's pick an object um but can you think of something that you have had an issue letting go of I was just, when, as soon as you started talking, I thought, oh, she's going to ask me to have do an example. And in the Stoicism episode, Donald asked me to give an example and I gave the worst example because I was put on the spot and couldn't think of something. So, okay, how about a spare handbag, one of seven that are up in the top of the wardrobe? Yeah, that sounds, that sounds good. So if you decide painstakingly that you're going to declutter that, what's the worst case scenario, Beck? Play it out for us. Okay. The worst that could happen if I got rid of my seventh handbag would be that I need to go somewhere with eight handbags. <laughs> <laughs> or maybe you have an outfit mm. that that handbag would be perfect with yes. but you no longer have it. I think that would be the or, worst case. Yeah, or you uh, – I'm trying to even think, I guess because I'm so not attached yeah. to stuff like that. <laughs> I can't even I can't even relate. But the I guess the the idea is generally the worst case scenario for most people will be that you let go of it and then you discover that actually you really want it again mm. or you need it for some reason. Yeah. Uh, and you don't have it anymore. Yeah. 
And that is And then right. what plays out yeah. from there. And so that's the thing. If you say to yourself, what is the worst that could happen? And I think actually, you know, it, it, even though you don't have that attachment and you can't identify, that's still a really good example because it is one of those things that we do do all the time and we do a lot with accessories like handbags. It's that what if I have an outfit that would be perfect with this bag and I don't have the bag? Okay, so then you ask yourself, what's the worst that could happen? Okay, the worst that could happen is I want that bag to suit a certain outfit. And then you say to yourself, all right, could you cope with that? Can you survive that? Can you deal in some way with that happening to you? If you can survive it, then getting rid of it is actually the good decision to make, not a wrong decision to make or not an unhelpful decision. Yeah, and I think... What was said in the Stoicism episode that really resonated with me was that so often when we take ourselves down the track of should I get rid of this, what's the worst case, is that then we stop at the worst case and we don't go to surviving. That was the best part of that interview. That was like my mind was like, wow, (laughs) it was amazing. Yeah, because we go, all right, what's the worst case? I decide I need it. Will I survive it? Mm. yes but I'll be in pain because I need that handbag Mm. so it's like okay then what next what What next so if you decide if you find yourself in that worst case scenario what could you do you could reacquire it might not be the same but it might be similar you know if you can't get that same handbag and ideally you don't need to but Mm. if you are working through the process yeah in to help you make the decision about letting it go if you can play that scenario out, okay, worst case, I decide I really need this. And this is perfect for items that are just in case items. Mm-hmm. If I let go of it, if I discover I need it again, what are my options? I can reacquire. Yep. Or I can borrow from someone or I can find a different alternative that will almost, you know, fit the purpose as well. Um yep. I think going down those paths, and it might take you a bit longer to make the decision, but asking yourself about this worst-case scenario and playing it forward Mm. can often lead you to the point where you go, okay, chances are that's unlikely anyway, but now I know if that doesn't happen, there are ways to resolve that. Yeah, because what you've done is you've played that movie in your head right to the end point. You haven't stopped at the crisis point of where everything is about to be a disaster, which is the, oh, my God, I don't have this handbag that I wanted. Um, You've continued to play that movie in your head past that point. You've played it past the decision-making. You've played it past getting dressed. You've played it past going out um, with the wrong handbag. You've played it past six weeks after that, a year after that, two years after that. And because you know that in two, two years after having this awful experience of not having the handbag you want, that everything is normal and okay. And because you've played that in your head, you know then that this that will be a bump in the road. It won't actually be the disaster to end all disasters. Yeah. And I just the reassurance that it's survivable mm. should be enough to carry you through making the decision. Yep. And the thing is this stuff is all survivable. I challenge people to give me an example mm. that's not. <laughs> Yeah, and I think um, Suzanne asked us about, you know, uh, something that might be worth a lot of money and what if you let it go and you can't reacquire? Well, then you've let it go. Actually, there's nothing that can be done and you need to find a way to move on. 
And yeah, there might be a bit of regret, mm. but that is survivable. Yeah. And it's probably going to diminish over time, the feeling. And it was probably still worth letting it go. Often, yeah. As well, we think about, okay, I've found out it's worth a, it was worth a lot of money. We're, again, don't stop the movie at that point in the story. Keep going. Okay, so it was worth a lot of money. What would you have done with it? Would you have then sold it for that money? Or would you have kept it forever to hand down to your grandchildren and children? Uh, if you were going to sell that item and get the money, what would you use the money for? Would you use it for a holiday that then finished and you weren't, or a holiday that you were never going to go on anyway? Or would it have just been that going on a holiday would have been slightly easier because you didn't use all of your savings, you only used half of your savings to go on holiday, but your life still ended up the same. Does that make sense? Mm, I don't think yeah, I said it very clearly. Absolutely. But, yeah, keep again, keep playing the movie, you know. So what, what, if, um, what if you had done things differently? Um, even if you had, it still mightn't be the big change to your life that you are um, regretting not happening at this point. Mm. Again, I don't think and, that was clear. <laughs> Sorry. No, it makes sense. And even with things that are sentimental and they can be the hardest things to part with, mm. asking yourself about this worst-case scenario is, you know, the absolute worst case scenario would be that you had nothing left to trigger that memory. But if you have the memory and people can't take your memories away from you, you create your new trigger. Mm. You find a new trigger. Yes, it might not be that picture in that frame on that wall that was the old trigger for the memory, but if you've played that scenario out figured out that actually there's nothing else that triggers that memory that you can find, then you create one. Mm. Yeah, exactly. The next thing I think, you know, it's it's easy to jump to what's the worst case scenario and often we focus there and ruminate on that. But the flip side of that is going, what is the best case scenario of getting rid of this thing? Mm. If I declutter this, if I make the decision and let it go, what is the best thing that might happen? And I think this is just as important as asking yourself definitely. what's the worst case. Yeah, definitely. It gives you an opportunity to explore the possibilities and, you know, to use this your power of prediction um, for good instead of evil <laughs> and just make it, you know, <laughs> make it help you um, instead of have catastrophizing, um, making you scared. So, yeah, you know, what is what would happen? You know, what's the best thing that would happen? And, you know, for example, when I got rid of a wardrobe that my dad made, uh, it was hard to do. But when I thought about it, I thought it's going to make my bedroom so much feel so much bigger if I don't have this wardrobe in my in my bedroom. And um, and that was exactly what what happened. You know, when it when it left, I ended up with so much. I've already got a small bedroom as it is. But having a built-in robe and a wardrobe in it really made it feel a lot smaller. And so having that gone, um, it made my room feel bigger. So, you know, I had more space and it actually played out that way. The room does feel bigger and lighter and airier because that's not there. And of course, um, there's still, you know, things about that wardrobe that I made me want to keep it but that was one of the the things that that helped me part with it was knowing how much more space I would have and for anyone that's done a reasonable amount of decluttering they experience the best case scenario 
pretty soon after, that feeling of less overwhelm, mm. it's almost like a some kind of illegal high, <laughs> that joy of having less stuff in your space, of being able to have your eyes rest somewhere without being overstimulated. Yeah. Yep. You know, releasing yourself from the overwhelm and creating more space, it's it's joyous. And then there's also that feeling of the physical burden being gone. You know, quite often when we overcluttered or have a lot of stuff, we it's almost like we carry around this weight and then you um you drop things off to a charity store or you sell them or you donate them or you put them in the bin. And it's almost like you can breathe this big sigh of relief because it feels like a physical weight is gone as well. So playing those scenarios, more space, less overwhelm, more freedom, potentially freedom even to travel because you're not as tied down to all your belongings and their maintenance, Uh, less commitment to your stuff and possibly financial commitment to those things as well. You've got to play all of those scenarios out because chances are letting go of this thing will be superb and brilliant. So don't just go down the, the bad track, go down the good track too. Yeah. All right. So then that's the worst case scenario and best case scenario methods. Uh, another thing that we can do, is, which is really important because we do not do it enough, is to compare the cost of keeping the item with the cost of letting it go. And not just the monetary cost, um, you know, possibly if you're talking something big like a boat or excess boxes of stuff, there might be a, a monetary cost of, of having those items in storage or um, being kept somewhere. But there's also the, the cost of maintenance. And when you've got an item in your home, you might not attribute the cost of keeping it, but a lot of things require maintenance, require upkeep and and your attention as well. Mm. Like that's huge. The, the time that you spend dusting, rearranging, sorting, organising, that kind of thing yeah, um, can be pretty hefty. Yeah. Uh, and that's the thing, you know, the cost is is both, like you said, monetary. And, I mean, some for some people, though, it's a big monetary cost because they pay, pay for storage facilities and things like that. But even if, if you're sort of sitting there smugly thinking, oh, well, I don't pay for storage, but you live in a five-bedroom house of two with two people because you need five bedrooms in order to fit all your stuff in, then that's pretty much the same as paying for a storage facility as well because you could actually be having – you could have a smaller home. Mm. which means you pay less for that home, you pay less for your electricity, you pay less for your gas, you know, all that kind of stuff. So even those of us that are living in houses that are a certain size because we want to fit all our stuff in, we're also paying for storage space essentially. Plus the guilt. I don't know quite how you assign a cost factor to guilt, Mm. but the guilt of keeping things that you don't use or that – you've spent a lot of money on but are unloved. Mm. I don't know. There's there's some kind of burden that you carry around. And so you have to factor that in, that yep. fit, that sense of guilt that you have yep. um, when there's stuff you don't need anymore. Yep, exactly. And, you know, you, you said it before, overwhelm. Like the thing that one of the things that having too much stuff does the most is cause people to feel overwhelmed. And they can feel overwhelmed in for a few different reasons you know one if the clutter is represents a whole lot of stuff that they need to do then you get overwhelmed with this sense of 
an unending task list following you around everywhere you look, mm-hmm. but also the overwhelm of where to start. The, the overwhelm of not, again, not having that place for your eye to rest, not being able to feel calm, not knowing, you know, exactly what to do or in what order to do it, uh, all those kinds of things as well. I think that overwhelm is a huge cost of keeping something. Yeah, and because quite often we're not talking about just one thing. People that are struggling with decision-making, it's not just mm. do I keep the coffee table or let the coffee table go. It's the coffee table and the excess furniture and the books that can't fit in the bookshelf and the paperwork that I haven't got to. You know, Mm. it's usually if you're struggling with decision-making, it's usually in lots of areas, not just on one item or a couple of items. So that that overwhelm is huge. And I think you've got to recall too that your home should be a nice place to be in. It should be Mm. a safe place. It should be your little escape from the world where you come in and you can take that deep exhale and relax. And I think if you are walking into your space and feeling tense and feeling stressed or anxious due to the amount of stuff, that's a really high price to pay too. Definitely. And so then conversely, if we're going to be comparing, there's also a cost to letting go as well. And we would be remiss to just leave that out. It would be convenient to leave it out because we're trying to convince people to let go. <laughs> but mm-hmm. there is a cost of letting go as well. And so, you know, we need to to look at those and weigh them up basically uh, against the cost of keeping the items. And obviously the first cost of letting go could be if it was a a mistake or if it turns out later on that you need that item and you need to replace it. So there is a could be a potential monetary cost to letting some things go. Another cost you might incur if you let something go is the inconvenience factor. So mm. again, if you need it or have to have to use an item like that at some point down the track, even if you decide not to reacquire it per, on a permanent basis, but decide to borrow it, it's inconvenient. You you go to use it and you realise you've let it go and then you've got to ask someone to borrow theirs. Mm. And it's a pain and it's a hassle, but that's where you have to weigh up. Is it more of a hassle than keeping it and maintaining it yourself? Mm. And that I, love, mm. I love that. I say to people all the time that you have to think about whether or not the incon- whether or not you want to be inconvenienced in the long term or in the potential inconvenience of, say, not having uh, spare paintbrushes and weighing that up against the inconvenience of being prepared because there is an inconvenience to being prepared and that is it's taking up all your space. So, for example, if you have 17 packs of paintbrushes, then there is going to be an inconvenience because you have to find somewhere for them to go. You might actually have your art room so packed that you can't actually do any of your art. And so what you're doing is in order to avoid the inconvenience of not having brushes on hand when you want them in the future, you're actually preventing yourself from painting it all in the present. Mm, That's it. That's a good example. The other cost of letting go is the feeling of regret that you might have. And certainly there's a risk of this if it's a sentimental item or if it's something you've been weighing up for a long time and you make make the choice to let it go and then whether whether you regret it because you need it or you regret it because you just want to have it back. 
that feeling of regret is definitely a cost. But hopefully if you combine that with the worst-case scenario examples Mm. that we gave before, um, if you play it out, hopefully it's something that would fade and that you could survive. Yeah. And this is the thing, and this is another thing I say to clients right up front when we're doing a decluttering project, is I say to them, there are probably things that you are going to let go of in this process over the next couple of years as you declutter that you are going to regret parting with. So come to terms with that idea now, um, prepare yourself for that possibility, uh, and because then when it comes, it's not going to completely blindside you. Uh, mm. It means that you'll be like, all right, I've regretted, you know, I got rid of something, I regret it now, but I knew it was going to happen. So emotionally, you're much more prepared for it and you can be a little bit more pragmatic about it. Uh, and I think then the regret will, won't quite last as long uh, if you have prepared yourself for that idea. And so I do always encourage people at the start of a decluttering project to think about the reality of the situation. And, you know, we almost all will have at one stage in our lives got rid of something that we've later looked back and gone, I kind of wish I'd kept that. Uh, and some of us very strongly and some of us like me who sort of think back on it with very little emotion but just a, you know, oh, well, if I were making that choice again today in hindsight, I would make a different choice. Um, you can look at it in that sort of pragmatic, practical way. Um, and some people will still feel it very deeply, um, the regret that they had. But if you can prepare yourself for it, you are much more likely to be able to cope with that feeling and have a reduced impact of that feeling later on. So you are a little less sentimental than me, Tara. Do you have things that you regret getting rid of or can you not think of any? I think, if anything, it might be a couple of things from my childhood. Mm. I kept my favourite doll, which was a cabbage patch and I kept a bunch of my books like all my little golden books but that was pretty much it and now that I have two daughters it would be would have been really nice if I would have kept two dolls because and I know which other Uh, doll was my second favorite that each of my kids could have had one of my dolls for their kids at one point as it turned out, my my eldest kind of has assumed <laughs> responsibility <laughs> and uh, my youngest has got something else that was kind of sentimental. It was a, a teddy bear that my mum bought for me when she went to London, but I was a teenager by that point, so it wasn't something attached to my childhood, but it was still something that was kind of special. So they do have something each. It's just they're not quite the same meaning. So there is, I think I was in such a hurry to rid myself of all my childhood possessions when I was moving off to uni and going to the big smoke I hadn't really thought it all the way through so yeah I might have I might have kept a couple of other things but but not enough that I sit and ruminate about it yeah so you don't call it regret it's more like oh yeah well I probably maybe would have preferred I made a different choice but I don't necessarily regret it and this is the thing you know and also the only reason that you are at the point of now thinking, I kind of wish I'd kept another one, is be- only because you had two children. Yeah. If you'd had one child, it would be completely different. So there was yeah. no way you could have known back then that this situation could possibly 
I mean, you could mm-hmm. you could predict it possibly, but but you don't know. You don't know how many children you'll have if you'll have any at all. You know. And then I kept the golden books, and neither of my kids won a bar of them, so they're staying with me. <laughs> yeah, yeah, and that's the thing, you know. Sometimes we do keep things, and and I kept a couple of childhood things for Zoe and you know uh, and Ethan, and they've kind of but mostly given them back to me and said, I oh, when they've done their decluttering, go, oh, yeah, don't want this anymore, <laughs> so yeah. it's back on me again. <laughs> so uh, yeah, and this is the thing, we can't predict what's going to happen, and really, it's it's possibly only the circumstances that happen after we've made that decision that that cause the regret, not the decision itself. Mm. And if circumstances had have been different, then there would be no regret. So it might help to look at it that way as well uh, in that it's just you could not have known. Um, don't be too hard on yourself and think of all of the things that you have gained um, from the letting go, you know, all the things you gained from not having to cut all your stuff around with you um overseas and you know all the different places that you've been uh that that benefit sort of you know it's definitely worth considering as a a good benefit <laughs> is there anything other than good benefits <laughs> it's a stupid <laughs> thing to say anyway so the next thing that we'd like you to think about when making your decision is to reflect on whether you might be assigning too much meaning to your belongings in the first place So if you're finding it quite hard to let go of something, have a look at the relationship that you have, not just with that thing, but with your stuff in general. There's a few questions that you can can ask yourself to figure out if you're assigning too much meaning to your belongings. The first one would be, do you define others by what they have or wear or consume? Mm. Because if that's how you define other people, then possibly you're assuming that other people are defining you in that same way. And if you tease that out a bit, you might come to realise that actually you don't you don't choose your friend ba- friends based on their clothes, their cars, their possessions. You choose them based on whether they're nice people or not. And chances are it's the same the other way. So keeping those shoes or whatever, you know, possession that you think is important because it gives you status or it, you know, makes other people think of you in a certain way. Um, You might be conning yourself Mm. because chances are that's not not the way you or other people think. That's a really good one because, yeah, we do place certain value on belongings based on the the values that we have and the way that we see the world, don't we? And if we... um, look at things through somebody else's eyes, it does help us see see things from, you know, a slightly different perspective and perhaps help us challenge the, the choices that we're making based on our own perspective. Mm. And it's that thing too of if your friend came to you asking your advice on the, a similar decision to the one you're trying to make, what advice would you give them? Because mm. quite often the advice we'd give our best friends is something we wouldn't necessarily give to ourselves. Like we want the best for our friends. So if someone came to us and said, look, I feel really weighed down by, you know, the excess furniture I've got in my spare room that I never use and I can't turn it into a craft room to get rid of it, but I feel bad, it costs a lot of money, you'd say, no, no, your happiness is important. Forget the money, do what you love, you know, look after yourself. You deserve to you know, have a craft room and and enjoy your spare time. 
but would you give yourself that same advice? And a lot of yeah. the time we don't. No, we're, we're too hard on ourselves. We need to mm. treat ourselves like a, a, well, a well-loved, cherished friend. Mm. And we'll be back to that discussion in just a moment. If you really appreciate this podcast and get a lot from it, we would love it if you would consider becoming a Patreon supporter. This will help us keep the podcast content coming to you by covering some of our costs and, importantly, keep it ad-free. You can find the Become a Patreon button on our website at www.beuncluttered.com.au. We really appreciate your support. Thank you. Right, now. Back to the discussion. So another thing to think about is whether or not your things are actually serving you or you are serving your things. So are they actually giving you something to your life or are they taking away from your life in some way? And if you're quite strategically minded, this is a good one because you could almost plot a chart and that gets I do that with excited. clients. I plot charts with them. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I actually draw this for them. Yeah. You need to you need to kind of get a bit more objective because you're so in the weeds and you're so attached to your stuff and things have stories and st- things have meaning and then you go right for every thing that they give to me, I'm going to put one on the chart and for everything they take from me, I'm going to put take one off or whatever it mm. is. And so do they contribute convenience to your life? Do they contribute joy? Do they give you comfort? And then they make you money. (laughs) Yeah. yeah. And then do they consume your energy? Do they consume more energy than they give you? Do they Mm. take up your time? Do they consume your space? Um, You know, what return are you getting for the investment of that space? All those kind of things. You can get a bit strategic. Yeah. And go, all right, where's the where's the balance here? Do they give me more or do they take more? Yeah. So basically you want a positive ROI. You want a positive mm. return on investment if the benefit is more than the um, consuming um, of, of whatever, then they get to stay. Uh, and if they take more than they give, then they've got a negative ROI, which means they can go. Another thing that I think is a really good way if you're struggling to make a decision about something is to just experiment. And this is assuming you've got the time and you've got a bit of space to do this with and give yourself a chance to live without that thing for a while and see how you cope. So box it up if you can and store it out of sight or give it to someone else for three or six or 12 months. Get it out of your immediate zone and your immediate space and see how you feel. Do you feel better? Do you feel worse? Are you regretting it? Are you loving it? And pretty soon you'll get an idea about whether you can live without it. Yeah. I don't know if I've, I think I've told this story before, but I'm going to tell it again because it's a good reminder that I had, I have a client with a hoarding disorder. And so she has very strong attachment to things and one of the things that we decided to try or I suggested trying and she happily went along with it was experimenting with something that I thought she could live without um, but she wanted to keep 
but she knew that it wasn't the most important thing to her in the world. So she was willing to experiment with this particular item. So it was a bit of plastic. I think it was like a broken off car antenna, plastic car antenna or something like that. But it looked had a rounded edge on one end and the other end was broken and it was kind of about 10 centimetres long black plastic thing. And I said to her, all right, you know, I I already established when I saw it that I reckon she could live without it. So I said to her, you know, what would you like to do with this? And she said, oh, I'll keep that. It might be handy. And I knew she would say that um, and that's fine because, you know, what's not handy <laughs> eventually. Mm-hmm. Uh, but I did say to her, I think this is something that we could do an experiment with if you're willing. And she said, okay, I'm listening. And I said, "I, how about I take this away with me and uh, I keep it for a while and you experience the sensation of letting go without the fear of the permanency of it leaving you. And then we can reassess how you feel a little bit later, maybe in a few weeks' time. And she, you know, she was very uncomfortable. Um, her anxiety levels went right up. But she, at the same time, she really wanted to do this because she really wanted to be able to let go more easily. So she agreed and she said, yep, okay, let's do this. So I put it in my car and this was like just in the lead up to Christmas. And we, then we didn't see each other for a good four weeks. And then during a late January session, I'd, I'd forgotten about this thing. It was in my car. It was still in my car, but I had actually forgotten about it. And we were doing a session and I found something on the ground and it was like a crushed up piece of tinsel that um, had something stuck to it. And it was kind of a bit mangled. So I said to her, you know, what would you like to do with this? And I was hoping that she would say throw it away. And she said, oh, I made that. I want to keep it. And I thought, oh done you know this was a good opportunity for her to let go so what popped in my head immediately then was this particular piece of plastic she'd thrown away about six weeks earlier and so I said to her do you remember when we did that experiment and she said no (laughs) and I said well early in December we did an experiment where we I took something away and you were going to see how you felt about it over time And she looked at me and she went, oh, wow, I do remember that. She said, I hated that. That was awful. I felt terrible. And I said, oh, good, you remember it. I said, do you remember what it was? And she said, no, I do not remember it at all, like what the item was. Mm. And um, and then I said, but you remember feeling awful? And she said, yeah, I remember not wanting to do it. And and I said, I think that's why she remembers the experience because it was really uncomfortable for us. So we always remember those kinds of more traumatic experiences than the less traumatic ones. And so I said, okay. Uh, And she said, so like, what was it? And I said, oh, does it matter? And she said, no. She said, do you still have it? And I said, I do actually. I said, did you want to talk further about it in case you want it back? And she said, no, I don't, don't want it back. And I said, okay. And then I said to her again, so what do you want to do with this piece of tinsel? And she said, throw it away. And I went, wow, that was really decisive of you because, you know, only a few minutes ago you'd said you wanted to keep it. And she said, yeah, but then you told me that story and you reminded me that I'm not going to care at all about that tinsel in five or six weeks' time. So I was like, yes. (laughs) So this is where experimenting living without it has huge benefits because it shows you that you can survive and it shows you that the pain you feel at the time of deciding that it leaves is not pain that is going to stay at that level forever i've heard of some experiments people do where they will write a date on the box so say you're decluttering your kitchen and you come across a few gadgets maybe a waffle maker or some extra spatulas that you don't need or some kind of i don't know kitchen paraphernalia 
access to your needs but you're not sure about keeping it or letting it go you box it up put a date 12 months from now or six months from now on it and pop it in your your shed or your garage or somewhere out of the way and when you find it on that day if you haven't opened it you just donate the entire box you don't open it you don't revisit what's in there because if you needed anything it would you would have gone and got it Mm. but if you've survived that period of time you can take the whole box unopened and drop it off at your whatever your local charity store knowing Mm. that you've been able to survive it and because the problem is then if you reopen it to see what's in there you bring up create need in your own mind yeah yeah so um you can try something like that as well. Yeah, and this is the thing. If you trust that the decision you made in the first instance was the right one, yeah, you can just donate the whole thing. And also knowing that you can get it back makes it easier for you to make the decision for it to go on an emotional level, even though your logic, the logical reason to let go of it, you know, like you said, if you have seven spatulas and you can only fit three in the drawer and you hardly ever cook anyway, then getting rid of four of them makes logical sense emotionally it's much more difficult so you can what you're doing is you're by delaying that you're giving your emotions time to process it and you're giving you're you're proving to your emotions that it's not it wasn't a bad decision to make um, in the first place and so the logical side makes the decision and then the emotional side goes along with that decision towards the end because it's not doesn't have a strong voice later on as it did earlier that brings me perfectly to my next suggestion and that's just giving some things time because Mm. I think sometimes the timing for letting go just isn't right and sometimes you've got to revisit items that are hard to part with. So if you've just bought something and then you've thought, oh, I'm not sure, but that the acquisition was so recent that the regret for the money spent feels too severe or Mm. you just – you're not it's in the right headspace. Yeah, you can you can give it a week, you can give it a month, you can give it a bit longer. Quite often when you come back around to things at a later date, it's easier. And I found certainly decluttering some of the stuff of my mum's that I held on to after she passed away, mm. I would hold things, think about them, should I keep it, should I not? And then I'd go, like I'd work through it and then I'd set it aside. And then the second time around, and some things it was even a third time around, I I was so much easier. It was so much easier to let go because I'd already had those thoughts mm-hmm. and thought, no, no, I'll keep it, I'll keep it. And then I think I haven't looked at this thing or touched this thing or thought about this thing since the last time I was sitting here holding it, trying to decide whether to keep it or let it go. And so sometimes, mm-hmm. and I don't want you to use this as a crutch just to, hold on to everything keep everything (laughs) but if you're really struggling set yourself a time limit like pop a reminder in your phone for two weeks time or four weeks time to come back and revisit this item and see if you've got Mm. any clarity between now and then and you know if you haven't used it or you haven't thought about it maybe that's a cue to let it go Um, or maybe you just needed your subconscious to work on it and deal with the idea of letting go of it a little bit while you been busy in your day and your week and your life and next time around it'll yeah. be a bit easier that's what I was going to say if you didn't say it <laughs> is that we often do need that time to mull things over sometimes and we need our subconscious to get used to the idea of it leaving uh, or get used to the idea of living without it and like you said you know sometimes it's one two three sort of goes through the the process 
before something is, it is the right time to let something go. And I've got lots of clients that do need that back of the mind processing time. And once they've sort of had that, so the first, your first time where you go, okay, I really want to think about letting go of this, your brain then starts to think about all the possibilities of, of letting go of it. And if you give yourself, you know, like you said, if you're mulling it over in the back of your mind for quite a few weeks, it does allow your brain to get used to the idea of it leaving or become quite decided in the fact that it is staying you know not all these decisions are going to result in letting go but you know you you've had time you've given yourself subconscious you've given your subconscious time and um, often it feels you'd feel a lot more ready to make a decision after you've had that mulling over time if you want to get quite extreme there is one other way i can think of to make decisions (laughs) um about your things and that's to ask yourself if my house was burning down and I had to run in and grab a few things. If, you know, you had one minute or you, you had a limit of 10 items or something, where would this particular item land on the list? And if it's way mm. down, then ask yourself again why you're keeping it and if it adds value. So to give you an example, my kitchen utensils would not get retrieved in a fire, but they're quite easily replaceable. They add convenience and value to my life, so I'm not going to let them all go now. But if there was a hard decision to make, I would happily leave them. Mm. My photo albums, however, don't really add convenience to my life, but they're irreplaceable. So I might try and grab them. But I think sometimes working through this list of, you know, how important is it to me? Where would it be on a you know, list of all my possessions, would it be in the top 10 or would it be in the bottom 300, you know, whatever it is, it can help you think about how important an item really is to you. Yeah. Did that even really make sense? Yes, it made perfect sense. Yeah, and I I get sort of lots of people actually saying this to me. I have one particular client that says this to me all the time while she's making a decision. She says, would I miss it if the house burned down? No, I wouldn't. And then she can get rid of it. She's already kind of decided logically, yep, I don't need it. Yeah, there's, it's sort of taking up too much space. But her one last thing that she says before it goes in the bin or in the donate pile is, would I miss this if the house burned down? And I think that's, you know, another thing is, you know, how would you miss it? Is it something that is irreplaceable or uh, have, going to have a huge impact on your life if it's, if it's gone? And a lot of the time, the things that we're mulling over, like old kids' toys or things we've bought for people thinking they might make a good gift, you know, that kind of stuff. If the house burnt down, you probably wouldn't have even known they were there in the first place, let alone miss them. Uh, And so that can actually help you make some decisions as well. Mm, Because the clarity, because it's such a, you know, black and white scenario, you know, it's Mm. racing in, it's extreme, you're desperate, you kind of get that real clarity of what's important, your family, your pets, what comes next. You're probably mm. not racing back for your wedding dress, you know, that you wore 25 mm. years ago. You're probably going for your your wallet and your keys maybe. <laughs> I don't know. I don't know what, you know, other than photo albums, I don't know what else I'd race back in for. Uh, I'd race back in for our legal documents file in 
the bookcase. Uh, I might just start a new identity, start my life again. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, you could do that. You could do that. We should do, actually, this is, we should stop now because I think this is going to be a whole episode of how to prepare for an emergency. We haven't done an episode on that. And I think maybe we should. Yeah, that sounds good. So I'm going to stop and I'm going to hold everyone in suspense and you won't know what it is I would keep Mm. if there was an emergency until we put that episode out. (laughs) I'm sure you're all just, you know, really devastated by not hearing that. (laughs) I might might start a thread in the Facebook community after this and ask Mm. what random item you would grab. Yeah, random item. Not the regular boring odd ones that I I would. I do have a signed copy of Pillars of the Earth that Ken Follett signed in a cathedral in Lincoln when we went to book signing and that after the children and the dog (laughs) might be the next thing I grab, maybe (laughs) even before photo albums. But, uh, yeah, so that could be quite an interesting thread. So if you want to come and uh, tell us what random thing you might go back for, come and find us in the Facebook community and tell us. Yeah. So, Suzanne, I hope... Amongst all that, you found something to help you with your decision-making. And for everyone else that's chimed in as well, I hope there's a few ideas there that when you're decluttering gives you a little bit of clarity, making some choices. We would love you to come hang out with us in the Facebook community or join us on any of our other socials. And we will be here again with you next week. Thanks for joining us. We'd love it if you'd leave a review or tell all your friends about us so that they too can be uncluttered. If you'd like to connect with us, you can find us at beuncluttered.com.au or on social media or on our own websites at clearspace.net.au and basklifecoaching.com.